Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, getting you ready for the NFL draft, which is set to begin April 23rd, Las Vegas, Nevada, right in front of those Bellagio fountains. It's going to be epic. This is the post-combine edition. That's right. Last weekend, players really took center stage at... Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. 337 total collegiate players were invited to the Combine. Their biggest job interview of their lives. I'll tell you what, I, I, I remember the draft when I was growing up. I remember waking up early on a Saturday to watch the first round of the draft. And now, day one is on a Thursday, prime time. Day two you're talking about, you know, the second and third rounds on Friday, followed up by by the draft there on on Saturday. Uh, really, a three day event, and the combine no different. You know, the combine was normally one that you a lot of the the scouts and and, and coaches would get up early, and combine would be there in the morning. Now they have a a prime time event, if you will, for the combine. And yes, you had the four days and normally they have the running backs and the offensive line and special teams go day one. Well, they kind of flipped it a little bit. You know, Joe Burrow and and Tua Tango-Vailoa, we knew weren't going to compete at the combine, but they still wanted the quarterbacks, the receivers, the tight ends to go day number one, really set the tone And when you're talking about drama, you're talking about the competition, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, what were they going to do at the quarterback position? That's really, at the crux of things, what they wanted to see there on day one. We're going to get into all of that. We're going to see who really stood out at the combine. Who were the winners? Who were some of the guys that uh, need to really prove themselves in their pro day to really make up some ground? Who are the guys that sent coaches back to watch more game film? Because that's really what the combine is all about. You want to verify and validate what you saw on the game film. And I'll tell you, I enjoy the combine. I put out my first mock draft in February. And now that we have more of an elongated uh, pre-draft process, it used to be a lot more compact. Now we have the combine end of February. The draft isn't until the end of April. I like to put a, an initial mock draft out in February and then wait until the combine hits. So some of my material on the website might be a little dated, but you know it's by design because I really want to see what happens at the combine. I want to see who are the players that are, are moving, moving up draft boards, who are the guys that might end up falling out of round number one. And the next mock mock draft really doesn't get going until we get into free agency because a lot we can have all kinds of, of discussions, conjecture about who's going to be going where. But at the end of the day, we really don't know what the mindset of these teams are going to be. We want to see what happens in free agency because, look, the New York football giants need a right tackle. They've got to protect da- uh, Daniel Jones, their investment. What if they take a right tackle in free agency. Mike Remmers is gone. What happens if they they take the right tackle in free agency? Well, my prediction that they're taking Jedrick Wills from Alabama, number four overall, that goes out the window. So, you know, same goes for Arizona. 
we're talking all this talk about Larry Fitzgerald in his in his you know he's coming back for 2020 but we still have to find a, a number one target to replace Larry Fitz for Kyler Murray how about we protect Kyler Murray you know I know that they're interested in and they were trying to bring in Jack Conklin it sounds like Jack Conklin might be going to the Jets so what does Arizona do there at number eight do they go for the receiver you know, the, the receiving uh, class, that draft class we know is special and, and it's really deep. The offensive line, you know, you've got some some freakish offensive tackles, some guys that are really making waves at the top of the draft board. That's who you really want to target. You know, you could wait until round number two, but there isn't as much depth in this offensive tackle class as you have with the receivers. So free agency will kind of flush some of that out. And then we'll kind of get get into really looking at top 10 players and really getting position by position, getting some of those breakdowns, you know, who's going to be going where, you know, who are the, the first round receivers, who might fall to the second, who are guys who are normally day two picks that because of the depth of this draft class might be falling and could be steals for your NFL team somewhere in, in the middle to late day three, there are going to be those receivers that are going to be out there that are going to end up being steals in the fifth, sixth, and possibly even seventh round. We're going to go ahead and take a look at that throughout this, this pre-draft process. And I'm telling you what, now that we've got the combine out of the way, we're going to have some podcasts fast and furious. Every few days, there's going to be another podcast from Ready for the Draft podcast because I really want to make sure you're ready for that NFL draft. I want to make sure that we're taking a look at some of the pro days. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, who's really making a late push. We want to see where the teams, you know, where are the team needs and who are going to be the best fit for those team needs. We're going to be breaking all of that down. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into day one of this combine, shall we? You know, I want to make sure that I at least bring my post-combine mock draft. We'll go ahead and take a look at the top half of the first round before we get out of here. But I really want to focus on the on the combine first. And when you look at the combine, day one, obviously the quarterbacks, the tight ends were the ones that took the field first. But I kind of want to start with the quarterbacks. And, and Justin Herbert and Jordan Love, obviously the top two quarterback prospects sitting there. Justin Herbert out of Oregon, you know, big kid. I mean, 6'6", 236 pounds. I mean, you want to talk about a kid who just looked like a man out there. You know, he absolutely did that and made his presence felt uh, early and often, you know, with his size. But I'll tell you what, the athleticism was really on display as well. Jordan Love decided not to run the 40. Justin Herbert ran a 4.68. So the athleticism absolutely on display there from Justin Herbert. And a 35 and a half inch vertical leap as well. Uh, the only one who, only guy who jumped higher than that was Cole McDonald. Uh, and really, Justin Herbert did nothing to dissuade anybody about him being the number three quarterback in this draft. There are some NFL uh, executives who have been talking to some of the insiders on, on ESPN NFL network saying that there's a chance that, you know what, Justin Herbert could end up being the best quarterback in this draft class. You know, everyone's talking about Justin Herbert and his, his introvertedness and about how he's, he's, he wants to learn to be a, a better leader, you know, that, that introverted extrovert, I guess, and, and be a better leader. But what the, everyone has been saying at the combine and at the senior bowl was that the fact that guys were gravitating to him. And it's one of those things to where teams see that 
you have to see that. I mean, it's it's hard not to. And, and that's one of the things that I don't have the benefit of not being at the combine, um, but being able to see how some of these players interact uh, and Justin Herbert, the fact that that guys were were drawn to him definitely bodes well for any talk uh, about him as a leader. I think there's no question that Justin Herbert can lead. He stepped in as a freshman, and uh, you know what he did out on the field really turned heads as a freshman. Um, you know his uh, he was the first true freshman to start at Oregon since 1983, and in his second game as a starter, tied the school record with six touchdown passes. And then the following week, accounted for a school record 512 total yards. Also tied Bill Musgrave's record for passing from 1989 with 489 passing yards. So the 12 touchdowns in a three-game mar- span equal marks set by two quarterbacks taken in the top three of the draft. Joey Harrington in 2000 and Marcus Mariota with the Ducks in, in tw- uh, 2012. So Justin Herbert burst onto the scene. You know, he battled some injuries his first couple of years, but you know, as a junior um, you know, the accuracy completion percentage dropped a little bit. And really as a senior, Mark, Mario Cristobal leaned on his quarterback for some veteran leadership, but really Marco, you know, Mario Cristobal, he, he's a former offensive lineman. So when you're talking about the PAC 12, you're talking about the way that they like to spread it around and air it out. A lot of these, these fast paced offenses, Mario Cristobal wanted to change the attitude there with the Oregon ducks. He had five large individuals there along that offensive line led by Panay Sewell, who's going to be a top pick in next year's draft. You have all that offensive linemen. You have a couple of, of really good running backs, really a stable of running backs. Um, you know, if you include uh, Cyrus Abibi Likio uh, to go along with uh, uh, Travis Dye and uh, CJ Verdell. And it was really the running game that took over. So when you're talking about Justin Herbert and you may say, well, you know, yeah, he threw for 3,400 yards. The completion percentage is up, but only because he was throwing a lot of short passes. Look, he, he proved everyone, you know, any, you know, really kind of shut up all the doubters watching him at the combine, the, the way the effortlessness with the, with the delivery, able to throw the ball down the field with accuracy, put the ball on his, on the receivers. The receivers really didn't have to break stride. You saw the arm strength from him. Same thing, same thing though with Jordan Love. 6'4, 224 pounds, 35 and a half inch vertical leap. You know, the thing with, with Jordan Love is, you know, he made everything look so easy. He was so calm, you know, and, and you look at his face and, you know, nothing rattles this guy. You know, you saw that out on the field. You saw that again at, at, at the combine. You know, and this is a guy, you know, he gets beaten up. I beat him up over a lot of his his stats, you know, the fact that he had the 17 interceptions. But look, when it comes down to it, nine new offensive starters. He had five of his top receiving targets were gone. That included his tight end, uh, Dax Raymond. That included Ronquavian Tarver, his number one wideout. That also included his running back, Darwin Thompson, who played in the Super Bowl. And, and not to mention, new head coach, new offensive coordinator. Matt Wells was out, went to te- uh, Texas Tech. In comes Gary Anderson. So there was a lot on this kid's plate that he was having to deal with. And, and look, I, I kind of downplayed the same situation for Josh Allen. And really looking back on it, you see what Josh Allen's been able to do with the Bills in a short period of time. You know, I, I should have given more more credence to uh, the argument that, look, you know, he had some uh, 
some talented receivers that he lost and, and a running back as well. But look, you know, he, he didn't have a, a 60% completion percentage when he did have these guys. And, and so then when he lost them, you know, I, I looked at it a little bit differently um, that look, you know, Josh Allen completion percentage was, a, was a huge issue. I, I think when you look at, at Jordan love, a season ago, 64% completion percentage. Uh, this year, 61.9. It's really, you know, in 2018, 32 touchdowns to just six interceptions. And then uh, in 2019, 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Now, going to to the whiteboards and having to to really talk to coaches and, and the interviews, he's going to have, you know, he had to answer f- to that. What was going on? you know, really, you know, in terms of what were you thinking with a lot of the throws? And I think he felt the pressure and he was trying to force and create too many plays. Um, what does that look like at, at the next level with the NFL? You know, is he going to be in that same situation? You know, is this a kid who can, you know, stay calm in the pocket and not have to worry about, you know, pressing or doing too much? Um, you know, that's why I give the ner- the, the, the nod to, to Justin Herbert, um, you know, neither one of these guys, they both showed off, you know, really, you know, some excellent arm, arm strength showed off the athleticism. Um, but I just think that Justin Herbert, the maturity that's there, I think he's going to be more NFL ready right now. I'm looking at the same, uh, I'm sorry, at the, I almost did it. Uh, the, the Los Angeles chargers, Philip Rivers is gone. You have Tyrod Taylor sitting there. They're going to need a quarterback. And really this is where you're going to watch the off season because are they going to go, you know, they, they've already traded Russell Okung for, for Trey Turner. It's going to end up being final, um, you know, around when uh, free agency begins. But Russell Okung going to, to Carolina, question marks abound with, with the offensive line as it was. You know, right tackle, Sam Tevy. they need an upgrade. Whoever's going to be playing quarterback. So if they don't go with a quarterback in free agency, I still think this has to be a quarterback. And I'm not ready to jump on the just uh, on the, the the Jordan Love bandwagon. I think Justin Herbert's going to end up being the guy right there. Um, you know, but they didn't do anything to really dissuade anybody there. Uh, when you look at the quarterbacks, I, I thought Jalen Hurts. Um, did pretty well there at the combine. Showed that he can make some of the throws. 6'1", 222, 45940. Um, showed off some pretty good athleticism overall. Um, you know, obviously when you're talking about beyond uh, Herbert and, and Love, who's going to be the next quarterback taken? I thought Jacob Eason really showed off a big arm. 6'6", 231, ran a 48940. Um, you know, but here's a guy, I don't think he's overly mobile. I think he's one of those guys who's going to be uh, more of a pocket passer. And what I worry about is you talk about these guys with these cannons for arms and everyone just talks about the arm strength. You know, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have all the athleticism. Um, I, I think he still has some work to do in terms of, of throwing the football. Uh, you know, he only has one speed and it's basically a bullet. So he's got to work on you know that touch and being able to to lay it into a receiver because right now he doesn't put enough air under the ball and as a result you know he's he's overshooting his guys and not really allowing the receivers to run under the football. You know he he looked looked pretty good at, at the combine overall with his with his arm strength that's obviously on display, but uh, when you get into game situations that's really going to be the the biggest key. 
Um, when you look at the rest of the quarterbacks, I thought Jake Luton looked really good, you know, throwing the football, um, getting the ball to the outside, showed off some arm strength. He's 6'6", so he's not doesn't have that 6'7 moniker anymore. Uh, 6'6", 224 there out of Oregon State. I thought Steven Montez uh, out of Colorado, 6'4", 231, really good athlete. But the problem with Steven Montez is, is he was never able to put together consistent tape. And we saw more of that at the combine. Same, same goes for Nate Stanley. You know, this was a guy, if you watch the, the USC game, he, he looked like he couldn't miss. But the problem with him, he, he's a guy who, who struggles with deep ball accuracy and, and ball placement. And you saw that quite often at the combine. You know, throwing the ball behind some of the receivers, uh, just some of the timing was off. And yes, you, you have to build up some of that chemistry and, and the timing with a lot of the receivers. But you know, when you're, you're there to try to set yourself apart, you know, that really just played into his narrative all season long. And then with Cole McDonald, I thought his... His throwing motion was really the most concerning. You know, I didn't really notice it as much at Hawaii, but he has this really long, elongated uh, throwing motion, and that's going to be killer at the next level. Um, you know, I, I thought that he had all the tools there at Hawaii, um, learned from some of his mistakes, the 14 interceptions, most of them were at the beginning of the season, really finished on a tear. But when you have that elongated, you know, throwing motion, that's going to get you into trouble. He's going to have to work on that. You know, I think at his pro day, he's going to have to show that he can shorten up that motion. If he can't, then that's really going to impact his draft stock overall. So we'll get to the receivers in a minute. But uh, when you look at the tight ends, I thought, you know, tight ends not a um, an overly impressive group on the whole because you, you don't have a TJ Hawkinson, a Noah Fant, who's going to be a first-round pick. Um but there are some nice players that are in this group, you know, guys that I think you can find late on day two, and then you know, quite a few day three tight ends. I thought that uh, you know, my favorite player is Harrison Bryant. You know, he's 6'5", 243, ran a four seven three forty. Um, you know, not overly strong, only thirteen reps in the bench press. Um, but what you did see was they, they brought out the sled, and when he was hitting the sled, he was one of the guys who you know, maintained leverage, didn't stand up with the sled and actually stayed low and, and showed off, you know, an ability to, to keep his feet moving and really drive that sled down the field. That's really what it's designed to do. And you saw a lot of guys that were uncomfortable with it and wanted to stand straight up. And that's what happens with a lot of the bag work that you saw at the combine was guys would get under the bag and then they would pop straight up and then they would drive the bag backwards can't really do that with the sled. And if you lose leverage, that's really what's going to happen. You know, I thought Cole Komet, uh, I'm sorry, let's get back to Harrison Bryant. I thought he showed really good hands. I thought the route running, very smooth and fluid athlete. I think he's going to get drafted a lot higher. I think he has a chance to be a day two guy. He's my favorite tight end. Uh, you know, John, John Mackey award winner as well. Over a thousand yards receiving in Lane Kiffin's offense there at, at Florida Atlantic. Another guy who I thought stood out was Cole Komet out of, out of Notre Dame. A lot of people talking about how stiff he is as a route runner and and just as an athlete overall. 6'6", 262, ran a 4'7", 40, 37-inch vertical leap. So he does show off some some pretty good uh, explosiveness. Um, one of the slower times in the three-cone drill, ran a 7'4", 4. Only guy that was slower there was Charlie Tamopeau out of Portland State. Um so there is some stiffness in his hips. That's really what that three-cone drill, drill is going to flush out a little bit. If you remember all the talk about uh, DK Metcalf in last year's draft, you know because that that time was a lot slower. I think that had a big reason to do with his his draft stock dropping. So I think Cole Komet 
a guy who can run up the seam, may not be able to separate quite as much in his route running, but I thought showed uh, you know his, his willingness to, to be a good blocker, you know, showed some pretty good leg drive with his blocking as well. Um, you know, and I thought he looked you know looked like a decent athlete overall. Um going through the tight ends, Thaddeus Moss didn't work out. Turned out that he had a Jones fracture in his foot. Um, so he wasn't able to work out, was having surgery. Um, I think the guy that turned heads the most, at least in terms of his, his 40 was, was Albert Owe Boonham, you know, uh, four, four, nine, 40. Now, this guy also has 34 and an eighth inch arms. So the, you know, you're talking about a really big wingspan at six, five, two fifty eight. Um, you know, Owe Boonham couldn't stay healthy at Missouri. And that was one of the big problems after a freshman year, double digit touchdowns. He struggled to stay on the field after that and it really hurt Drew Locke uh, in his last season there in Columbia uh, but I, I look at Albert, Albert O and Albert O can be a weapon in the red zone you see the speed you know you put him out there in, in the slot or you can even split him out he's going to present some mismatch um, you know, some mismatches there, not much known as much of a blocker. You know, I, I think really the medicals are going to be key for him, but uh, he's someone who can end up creeping into that fourth round range because you're talking about somebody that you're looking at, you know, with, with some legitimate speed, you know, sub four five. I mean, you're talking about getting into um, category like, uh, like Evan Ingram, you know, but a lot of the tight ends, uh, you know, when you're talking about, you know, George Kittle ran a four, four, six, two, um, or I'm sorry, four five two. Um, you know, Rob Gronkowski was on the slower end, ran, ran a four six eight. But you know, when you talk, you know, Travis Kelsey was a four six one. So a lot of the tight ends were running in the you know between the four five four fives to four six range, and we didn't see a ton of tight ends running in that area. One of the guys that I was expecting to run a lot faster was Hunter Bryan out of Washington, six two two forty eight. So he's an undersized tight end, ran a four seven four. You know, when you're talking about Evan Ingram running in the four fours, he's a six two tight end who was able to move out into the slot and create a lot of mismatches and was a weapon for Eli Manning in that Giants passing attack. You know, so for Hunter Bryant, he he showed off you know his his ability to catch passes. You know that he's a bigger type receiver. Um, you know, looked pretty you know pretty good and pretty comfortable in a lot of the the, the routes and, and in some of the drills. But I thought that time really was kind of, you know, was discouraging a little bit because I thought he, you know, his play speed was a lot faster. Um, so I think that could definitely impact his draft stock. I think when you're talking about the 40, one guy whose who's draft stock definitely took a hit was, was Jared Pinckney, 6'4", 257. Um, you know, he's not going to be the, the most explosive athlete, but he struggled with, uh, his uh, his production in, in 2019, you know, the the Vanderbilt offense really struggled to get anything going. But then he comes out to the combine and runs a 4.96, um, really the the slowest among the tight ends who ran the 40. Uh, and so that's going to definitely be concerning. You look at a guy like Jared Pinkney, I think he's one of the better blockers in this draft. But uh, you know, 4.96, you know, there there are offensive linemen that ran faster than a 4.96. So, you know, that he's got his work cut out for him, especially at his, his pro day to improve that. Um, you know, other tight ends to, to of note, I thought Bryson Hopkins, 6'4", 245, a pretty good athlete, showed some pretty good bend. I thought he had, you know, there's some fluidity to him um, that I really wasn't expecting to see. Ran a 4.66 as well, so he broke that 4.7 barrier, um, you know, right around the, the Rob Gronkowski type range, um, you know, and... He's going to be somebody who I think is going to be in that that third round discussion. I think you're talking about uh, you know Harrison Bryant, Cole Komet, 
I think Bryson Hopkins has to be in that mix because he's a guy who can stretch stretch defenses up the seam. I think he can create a little bit of separation with his route running. And then he's a really a good blocker. I think he really showed that at Purdue. One name to keep an eye out for is Virginia Tech's Dalton Keene. There's always going to be one of these guys. You know, you think Foster Moreau, and you weren't really expecting to see you know, the, the type of athleticism and his ability to catch the football like you saw from, from him at the combine, wound up translating to the next level, ended up, you know, having some decent, uh, some, some decent games there for the Raiders in his rookie season. I look at Dalton Keene, 6'4", 253, a guy who really was more of like a, uses a fullback and an H-back type there for the Hokies, ran a 4'7", 140, and, you know, Repped out 220, uh, 221, 21 times in the bench press and uh, had a 34-inch vertical leap. You know, this was a guy who I thought, you know, he ran the three-cone drill 707, um, you know, one of the faster times. In fact, the only guy who ran a faster time was, was a- uh, Adam Troutman, who we're going to get to in a minute. And I would say that, you know, with, with Dalton Keene, he's going to be that sleeper. I think he's going to probably get dra- won't get drafted until probably the sixth round, but I think he absolutely is going to get drafted, and he's going to be one of those guys to keep an eye on. There's always one tight end that starts turning heads going, huh, was not expecting that. I mean, George Kittle obviously you know, ran that 4-5, and everybody, you know, really was surprised when he was had the breakout season that he did with the 49ers because he was a, four, a fifth round pick, but he wasn't really utilized in the passing game for, uh, for Iowa. So that was really where head started turning. Um, you know, I, I think Dalton Keene, he's not going to be the next George Kittle. You know, he didn't, you know, he did run a four, seven, one, uh, you know, by the way, so it's not George Kittle type speed, but you know, what I will say is, is I think Dalton Keene definitely helped himself at the combine. So speaking of Adam Troutman, mentioned him earlier, 6'5, 255, ran a 4'840. Um, you know, he still looks he looked like a man among boys there at Dayton and a guy who I think is a tremendous pass catcher. He looked like he was straining quite a bit through going through a lot of the drills. You know, the 40 time he really looked like he was straining going down uh down the 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 field there. But you know the the fluidity with with his you know his athleticism you know ran a really good uh, you know uh, short shuttle uh, among the fastest times there at a four two seven but the six seven eight three cone drill really shows that you know this is somebody who can sink his hips can get in and out of his cuts and, and that's going to be something maybe doesn't have the straight line speed that you're looking for but a guy who can create separation and that's really what you saw in the game film this was a guy who was able to to separate and get away from some of the the uh, the linebackers and safeties there at the FCS level, and he may not be one of those speedsters, but I'll, you know Zach Zach Ertz ran in the four sevens when he was at the combine, and so you know I think with Adam Troutman, you know the, the route running ability that's going to allow him to to make plays at the next level. So those were the guys that that really stood out for me at the combine. Um, you know, and I think those are going to be some of the guys that you're going to be talking about first and foremost at uh, at the draft. They're most likely um, on day three, but I think in when you're talking about Komet, you're talking about Hopkins, and you're talking about Harrison Bryant, I think those guys have a shot to be mentioned at the end of day two. So let's get to the receivers, shall we? 
I mean, the receivers, this was a lot of fun to watch. You know, we were on the, the, the John Ross watch with, when Henry Ruggs uh, took the field. Now, Henry Ruggs, just to, to put it out there, he ran a 4-2-7, ended up with, uh, um, you know, a leg strain, you know, leg muscle strain. And so that knocked him out of the rest of the combine. But, you know, Henry Ruggs, you know, there was video that went ended up surf, surfacing on social media of him uh, throwing down a dunk, uh, had a 42-inch vertical leap. Um, so this absolute uh, athlete there, and I think he solidified his status as uh, a top three receiver in my book, at least, I think, you know, when you look at that, uh, you know, CD lamb is my number one. And I look at CD lamb. This is a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Um, uh, ran a four, five didn't do anything there to really dissuade anybody about him as the number one, uh, wide out 34 and a half inch vertical leap. You know, he's right in line with a lot of the, the, the receivers who are some of the number one wide outs there at the next level. You know, he, he's somebody who, is so physical after the catch and you know, the, the hands, he's very confident with his hands. You watch him in, in a lot of the drills, a lot of the late hands on some of the, the vertical routes, his ability to track the ball over his shoulder on the corner routes and, and up the seam and, and his go route, I thought was tremendous. Had the, the play of the day with, with his ability to, to extend for the football um, as he was going out of bounds. And, uh, you know, I, I think C.D. Lamb is definitely going to be in that conversation with Jerry Judy. Another another guy who you know, ran a four four five forty at six one one ninety three. So one of the faster uh, receivers in this draft class. Thirty five inch vertical leap. Um, you know the four four five. Everyone talked about him being quicker than fast, but uh, I think the four four five shows that he can take the top off of a defense a little bit as well. Um, I think what you're looking at is Lamb, Judy, and Henry Ruggs. You know, in in that order. But I'll tell you a guy who's really rising draft stock because of what he's done in the postseason, and that's Denzel Mims out of Baylor, six three two oh seven, and uh, you know ran a four three eight forty at the combine, thirty eight and a half inch vertical leap. If you tuned in and watched any of the Senior Bowl, this was a guy who. Um, you know, was making the the flair for the acrobatic, making catches in the back of the end zone, getting late separation over the the corner. But I'll tell you, it was the blocking. You watched how physical he was. He beat up Lavert Hill on the perimeter with this uh, with this perimeter blocking. Very dominant blocker, and the fact that he ran four three eight, you know, and he's six foot three, really is you know that that is going to send him up draft boards. You know, this is a guy who I think is really getting himself into round two consideration and uh, a guy who has to be moving up draft boards. He's moving up mine, um, you know, and really surprised me with the speed. Another guy who surprised me with speed was, was Justin Jefferson out of LSU. 6'1", 202. You know, I think everyone was expecting him to run in the four fives, probably mid four five range. People were talking about, well, is he really going to be a guy who can take off, you know, take the top off of a defense? But I was watching, you know, a lot of the game film, and this guy was getting open and getting open down the field, and was getting separation from some of the better corners in the SEC, and we found out why. Justin Jefferson runs a four four three. You know, and then the 37 and a half inch vertical leap. So we know that he can, um, you know, that he can high point some footballs, but that also shows off the lower body explosiveness. And I'm telling you what, Justin Jefferson, man, you just solidified yourself as, as a first rounder, you know, whether it's the bills or the Eagles, um, you know, I, I think, you know, or even, uh, you know, new Orleans, I think Justin Jefferson, you know, there are three teams right there 
in the bottom half of, of round number one, and that's where Justin Jefferson is going to go. I, you know, I'm, I'm convinced of that, that that's exactly where you're going to see Justin Jefferson come off the board. Uh, I thought, you know, John Hightower of Boise State, 6'1", 189, ran a 4'4", 340. This is a guy who, for me, you know, I, I thought he was a good receiver. You know, I, I didn't think he was a great receiver there at Boise State. But uh, at the same time, you know, 51 catches, 943 yards. That's 18 and a half uh, yards per reception, eight touchdowns. Um, you know, and, and was a really a good receiver, or I'm sorry, a good return man as well. Returned a punt for a touchdown. When you look at, at the punt returns, 36, I'm sorry, kickoff returns had 36 kickoff returns averaged, uh, you know, 23.3 yards per return and, and took one back to the house this past season. I think John Hightower at six, two, uh, you know, this is somebody who, could very well sneak his way into into uh, the second day consideration because of what he was able to do out there, um, showing off some of his speed. Um, man, as we go through go through the list, who else really you know helped themselves? Uh, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones. Holy cow! You talk about a guy who's explosive. Ran a four four eight forty, but the forty four and a half inch vertical leap. You know, and then a hundred and thirty nine uh, inch you know, broad jump. You know, this is a guy who, when you talk about the lower body explosiveness, you know, I think Donovan Peoples Jones. He, he was somebody who you know really didn't have the benefit of of stellar quarterback play. Um, you know, there's another guy that we're going to talk about next after this. But you know, I I, I was expecting around a four four eight. Was not expecting to see the the forty four and a half inch vertical leap. I think he solidified himself as a day two pick as well. Jalen Rager out of TCU, 5'11", 206. Um, looks like he, he put on some weight. You know, he's a, he's a bigger dude now and ran a four four seven forty. Did have the forty two inch vertical leap, so the the lower body explosiveness is there. You know, I'm I'm just wondering. You know, I'm almost expecting him to run sub four four at his pro day. I think he might shed some weight. You know, I think he wanted to be over 200 pounds, but this is a guy who can high point the football. Uh, and really what you're looking at is, is his suddenness, you know? And so when you look at the four, four, seven, you're thinking he's probably quicker than he is fast. Um, and really, you know, sub four five, you know, but this is a guy who's, you know, also sub six feet. So that that's another thing that you're really looking at there with Jalen Rager is, is he a first rounder? You know, he you can make that argument that he is. Um, you know, a guy like Will Fuller ran sub four four um, and got himself into the first round. Jalen Rager to me still on the bubble. Um, a guy who didn't really help himself, uh, unfortunately, was Lavisca Chenault. You know, six one two twenty seven, kind of wore the baggy shirt. You know, kind of wondered why. I mean, you know, this is a guy one of the bigger receivers and uh, ran a four five eight forty. You know, not really. You know, not what I was expecting. We talk about some of the explosiveness, his ability to, to take th- take the ball the distance, and we didn't really see that. And then he, you know, come to find out, he also has a, an injury that requires surgery. He's going to be fine. Um, he'll be ready to go by training camp. But there's just another example of Lavisca Chenault, you know, not being able to to finish out everything. You know, he, he can't finish out some of the games. Um, because of injuries, he tries to play through them, and I'll give him credit for that. But if you can't stay healthy, you can't stay out on the on the field. You can't help your football team. So that's the thing that I worry about, Lavisca Chenault, and he could fall out of round number one just because of the fact that hey, this guy can't stay healthy. It's what happened. You know, you look at Debo Samuel; he ended up being a day two pick, and he worked out very well for the 49ers. Lavisca, I, I think, because of that, he may fall. Um, you know, and that's something that, that I worry a little bit for him. 
I thought Michael Pittman had a decent day, 6'4", 223, 4'5", 240, despite being as big as he is, 36.5-inch vertical leap. Look, this is a guy who's who's physical at the point of attack and uh, you know a guy who can get vertical, get the late separation, really the, the nuances of the position, the, the nuances of the route running, his ability to, to get that arm out there, not push off, but basically get that arm extension and then be able to elevate creating that late separation, elevate, jumping away from uh, the, the the corner, the way that he runs his routes, able to bend uh, towards the sideline, really making sure that the quarterback, you know, when they're throwing those um, those balls to the outside, snapping off and bending those routes towards the sideline. Um, I think Pittman Jr., another guy who I think absolutely should be a, uh, a day two pick. You know, James Prochet out of SMU didn't run the 40, 5'11", 200. Um, very confident in his hands, though. That's one of the things, you know, natural pass catcher. Uh, and that's one of the things that I, I think you definitely see out of him. Um, you know, when you talk about a guy like K.J. Hamler, for example, battled some drops at Penn State, 5'9", 178. And, uh, you know, I, I thought for him, he didn't look quite as comfortable catching the football as I expected it was expecting him to be uh, T Higgins. We're going to have to wait until his pro day there at Clemson to, uh, to see what he can do. He's one of those guys as well. You know, where is he going to go? Is he going to be a, a, an end of the, uh, the first round? I think that's kind of the consideration that you're talking about for him. Brandon Ayuk, six foot two Oh five had 33 and a half inch arms. Um, you know, really long arms for a guy at six feet. Um, ran a four five forty forty uh, inch vertical leap. I think he's going to be one of those guys who's going to be late day one, probably an early day two pick. Um, and then another guy. I don't know what they're they're feeding the guys in South Bend uh, at, at the receiver position, but Chase Claypool really put on a show. Six four two hundred thirty eight pounds. Ran a four four two forty forty and forty and a half inch vertical leap. If you remember a season ago, uh, you know Miles Boykin really turned heads running a sub four five forty, and that wound up getting him drafted on day two. I think you know any question about Chase, Chase Claypool playing tight end, I think he's really silenced that. That was one of the things I was expecting to be perfectly honest was him going to be playing tight end and uh i think he separated himself from some of the bigger receivers and uh i think he's one of those guys who just like miles boykin shooting up draft boards i think he's solidified himself there in the day two's consideration as well um you know dustin duvernay a 510 200 solidly built guy you know, ran that 43940 he's one of those interesting guys third fourth round range uh potential you know, and then, but the flip side, a guy like Quentin Cephas ran a four seven three forty. You know, but he bench pressed two twenty five twenty three times. You know, a thirty eight and a half inch vertical leap. Very physical dude. You know, six one two o two. This was a guy who everywhere, every time you turned around, he was running a vertical route and getting by guys. Why? Because he was winning at the line of scrimmage. You know, and he may not have that explosive speed getting off the ball, but you know, the, all the the physicality to his game reminds me a lot of Anquan Bolden. And if you remember Anquan Bolden, everybody was talking about him being a first round pick. Then he runs a 4-7-140 at the combine. Now all of a sudden everyone's talking about him um, as a third rounder. Uh, wound up getting selected in, in the second round, 54 overall. And you know the story, you know, the rest is history, as they say. I look at Quintus Cephas, you know, if we thought possibility of a, of a third round consideration, I think the 4-7-3 kind of scares teams. Even if he runs faster, they still have that 4-7-3 in the back of their mind. And, you know, really kind of a sloppy form, at, um, you know, at the 40, they're at the combine. 
But uh, you know, for me, I'm looking at Cephas. He may fall to the fifth or sixth round. Just get him out on the football field and let him go. I think Quintez Cephas is going to be just fine. I think he'll end up making an NFL roster. Um, he's one of those guys, you know, surprising with the 40 time, but that's not going to be the end-all, be-all for this kid. 59 catches, 901 yards, 15.3 yards per reception, seven touchdowns. He's had to go through so much there in his uh, his career at Wisconsin, you know, and uh, so I, I think, you know, hopefully he'll have some redemption there at his at his pro day. But even if he gets drafted in the fifth or sixth round, Badger fans, you know, I, I think you'll be okay with with uh, you know when he gets to the next level. Let's see, you know, Chris Fink at 5'9", 186, you know, they're at Notre Dame. You ran a 4.5740, but had a 40-inch vertical leap. Um, this is going to be a kid that, uh, you know, you're talking about slot receivers. You know, I think he has some potential. You know, at the 4.57, you know, I think he's more more of that shifty and, and quicker than fast. Uh, Antonio Gibson out of Memphis ran a 4.3940. Um, he's six foot two twenty eight, powerfully built. Looks more like a running back. And he, he's one of those guys, where are you going to play him? Is he going to be a receiver? Is he going to be a running back? He's going to be kind of a do-everything type of a guy, kind of in the mold of a Debo Samuel. And, and he's one of those guys that you'll probably get at a discount. You'll probably get him in the fifth, sixth round. Um, but he's definitely showcased some some speed. Um, Antonio Gandy Golden at 6'4, 223 out of Liberty, ran a 4'640, one of the stronger receivers, 22 bench press reps at, at you know of the, the 225, 36-inch uh, vertical leap as well. This is a guy who, look, the catch radius is insane. You know, his ability to high point the football is absolutely there. Uh, can be a red zone nightmare. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys who I put in my top ten at the receiver position. Yeah, the four six forty, you know, is is a bit of a concern. I think he's going to end up breaking four six, run probably in the mid four fives at his pro day, and you know, he's really a treat to watch. He's a big physical receiver, and uh, I think a team probably in the fifth round they're going to look at him and and target him you know, right in that area. Um, you know, but is he a guy who should be a second or, or, or third round pick? More than likely. So let's see who else, you know, kind of stood out. Uh, KJ Osborne, I was expecting him to be in the four five range. He actually broke that four four eight forty. This was someone who, you know, I, I thought, you know, looked average at times there at Miami. But some of that could potentially be because of the quarterback play. Um, I think teams are really going to have to go back and study him. Go wa- go back and watch some of the Buffalo film and, and the chemistry that he had with Tyree. Jackson, when when Anthony Johnson went down to injury, KJ Osborne really had to step up. So I, I I don't know how much we can really put into how much sock we can put into that Miami film for him. Um, you know, Malcolm Perry surprised that he ran a four six three forty. Um, you know, I was expecting it to at least be in the four five range. Um, I think he'll have his work cut out for him just a little bit. Um, Joe Reed, here's another bigger receiver, six foot two twenty four, ran a four four seven forty with a thirty eight inch vertical leap. Also bench pressed 225, 21 times. Joe Reed's one of the better receivers that nobody, and I mean nobody, is really talking about. Um, you know, this was a guy who was quietly having a, a really solid year there for the uh, the for UVA, catching passes from from Bryce Perkins, but uh, you know seventy seven catches. 679 yards, uh, seven touchdowns on the on the year, and uh, a guy who also 
you know, returned some kicks, had five kickoff uh, returns for touchdown in his career. Um, you know, so the suddenness is absolutely there. And he, he's much like, um, you know, uh, Gibson for, for Memphis, Antonio Gibson. You know, and so I kind of compare the two of them. I think there's a, a fair comparison there. Quez Watkins out of out of Southern Miss, six foot 185. He's sending teams back to go watch uh, the, the Southern Miss, the game film. Ran a 4 3 5 40. Um, really looked effortless with those with his his ability to, to take off and run um you know Desmond Patton at 64225 there at Washington State 44840 you know a, a bigger receiver running that fast you know that's that's turning some heads as well i think that was kind of surprising to see um so that's something that he's going to s- send people back watch some more of the the, the Cougs game film this is the guy who was catching passes from Gardner Minshew and Anthony Gordon um, so it'll be interesting to see Aaron Fuller out of Washington ran a four, five, nine 40, you know, really proving that he's more of a quicker than fast receiver, but I think he's going to be, you know, if he's getting drafted, it's going to be late day three. Um, you know, Gabriel Davis, six, two, two, 16, Courtney Davis, six, one, two Oh one, both ran a four, five, four 40, probably both going to be in that mid day three range. I really wish Gabriel Davis would have come back for one more year there at U, uh, UCF, especially if Mackenzie Milton can somehow find a way to make the, make it back on the field. Um, you know, he's just one of those guys who's going to get lost in the mix of all of these talented receivers. So that was really what I saw on, on day one of the draft. You know, a lot of guys that, that stood out, some guys that still have some question marks, guys that are going to have to prove themselves out, um, at, at their pro day. So then, you transition to day number two, and that's when you have your running backs and your offensive linemen. So the, the running back position, I'll tell you what, Jonathan Taylor, if you didn't have him at the top of your running back class, I think you have to now. Reason being is Jonathan Taylor, 5'10", 226, ran that 4'3", 940. You know, this is a guy, a track guy, you know, run, running a 10, 400 meters. So you knew he was going to run fast, ran sub four, four, you know, at five, five, 10 and 226 pounds. I mean, big dude. And, you know, I thought that he looked really good laterally, you know, the lateral cuts, you saw that on game film there for the Badgers, putting his foot in the ground, getting North and South, making guys miss in the open field with these quick lateral cuts. Uh, and, you know, the, the biggest thing was he wasn't asked to be a receiver there at Wisconsin, and he showed off his ability to catch passes out of the backfield. And so I think with Jonathan Taylor, he's moving up draft boards, moving up draft boards big time. And, you know, there's a good chance that he could end up being, you know, the, I think the ceiling for him is going to be Miami sitting there at number 18 overall. Is that where he's going to go? Probably not. He'll probably end up being the 26th overall pick if he's going to Miami. But... Even still, I think he solidified himself as the number one running back. Now, look, you still have the ball security issues, and I think he has the answer for that. 18 fumbles in his career. 15 of those were lost fumbles. And then you know you also have the wear and tear on his legs. In, in three seasons, over 900 touches, that's going to be a concern for NFL teams. You know, the only running back that was taken in round number one a season ago was Josh Jacobs, and you know I, I think he had half those touches because he was sharing the the backfield there in Alabama. So, you know, DeAndre Swift didn't do anything anything wrong. You know, I, I think you know five eight two twelve, uh, the the junior out of Georgia. Uh, you know, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, four, four, eight, forty, thirty-five and a half inch vertical leap, 
And, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift, he's a really good receiver. I think you see the suddenness coming out of the backfield as well. Um, you know, he didn't do anything to really dissuade anyone. I just think Jonathan Taylor's performance was really what was staggering. And you're, you know, really scratching your head just going, wow, what did I, what did I just see out of, out of this guy? Because all of the question marks that you had about Jonathan Taylor's game outside of the, the, the fumbles, he was able to answer and so that's that's really I think was the highlight of the day for me. Um, you know, I, I thought you know Cam Akers at 5'10", 217, running in the 4'4740, 20 reps in the bench press, 35 and a half inch vertical leap. He looks like an athlete there at the running back position. I think he can be a day two pick. Uh, J.K. Dobbins didn't really compete. Um, did bench press, uh, you know, 225, 23 times at 5'9", 209. Um, he's got short arms. I thought it was really, you know, kind of interesting. He ran uh, 29 and three quarters inch arms. Um, so the shorter on the shorter end there of the arms, that could potentially be a be an issue coming out of the backfield. Uh, Clyde Edwards, a layer out of LSU, 5'7", 207, the bowling ball. Uh, ran a 4'6", 40, but a 39 and a half inch vertical leap. We knew this was someone who didn't have necessarily the speed to go the distance, but his shiftiness, his cutback ability, and then his his ability to catch the football out of the backfield, really comfortable as a pass catcher. Uh, he's somebody who I think could have late day two consideration. Uh, Darrington Evans, I thought absolutely helped himself. I'm, I'm really happy for him out of Appalachian State. 5'11", 203, put up the, you know, 225, 20 times. Kind of surprising there, but what was really surprising, the 4'4", 140. That was second fastest among all of the running backs that were there and competing. And I thought that that really helped him. I was talking about it in the last podcast that, that I did on the offense uh, leading up to the combine. I wanted him to really stand out. You know, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, over 1,400 yards in 2019, uh, 18 touchdowns, has 39 receptions in his career as well, um, able to return some kicks. You know, three kickoff returns for touchdown in his career, uh, and so you know, definitely a tremendous athlete. And the question was whether or not he had the speed, the game-breaking speed, and uh, he absolutely was able to prove that there at the combine. Now, AJ Dillon, everyone was saying, oh, he's going to break sub four or uh, break four four. He's going to have to wait for his pro day to be able to do that. Ran a four five three, but look at six foot two forty seven, bench press two uh, two twenty three twenty three times. Um, you know, I think AJ Dillon showed off the fact that he's, he's a darn good athlete. I think he still has some issues as, as a pass catcher, wasn't really asked to do that at BC. Um, so that's still something that I think he's going to have to kind of show, uh, show what he can do there. But definitely one of those bigger backs, if teams are looking for the next Derrick Henry, I think, uh, AJ Dillon is one of those guys that people are going to be looking at and they're going to try to target and, uh, you know, probably going to be somewhere in day three, probably a fourth rounder. I would, you know, I would venture to guess. But when you look at what what Derrick Henry did, so six foot two forty seven was what AJ Dillon measured in at. Same for Derrick Henry. Um, let's see hand size. If you really care about the hand size, um, you know, AJ Dillon's hands about you know almost a full inch bigger um, at nine and five eighths inches. Um, but uh, you know the arm length. You know, really has him by over. Uh, Derrick Henry has him by over an inch. Ran a four-five-four-forty versus the four-five-three for AJ Dillon. Very comparable there. Um, the vertical leap. Uh, you know, AJ Dillon forty-one inches versus the thirty-seven inches that uh, 
um, Derrick Henry was able to do. So when you're talking about this and you're looking at the comparisons, 22 reps in the bench press for Henry, 23 for Dylan, very, very comparable in terms of the athleticism for these guys. And when you're talking about the production out on the field, A.J. Dillon burst onto the scene as a freshman. Everybody talking about this guy, over 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, freshman All-American. As a sophomore, battled that high ankle sprain, still went over 1,100 yards, Got healthy in 2019, over 1,600 yards while sharing the backfield with David Bailey. Still have 14 touchdowns. I mentioned only 21 receptions in his career, but look, you know, this is a guy who ran for over 4,300 yards and 38 touchdowns. You know, average 5.2 yards per carry. AJ Dillon is one of those sneaky, sneaky good running backs who probably gonna end up being a fourth rounder. But when you look at his comparisons to, to Derrick Henry, if there's a team that is looking to get another Derrick Henry, especially if the Titans lose out on, on Derrick Henry and they're looking to try to replace him, watch him maybe take A.J. Dillon around higher than they normally would because you know he has sh- uh, shown the ability and shown some of the athleticism that uh, I-, I think teams weren't really expecting. Let's see. Um, Zach Moss, the 4.65.40, a little bit of a concern. Um, this was a guy, 5'9", 223, very physical between the tackles. I think, you know, he's another guy who is is better laterally than he is north and south. But at the same time, you want to get him north and south because he's going to run people over. He's just not going to run by you. Uh, Anthony McFarland, I think he needed to have a really fast time, 5'8", 208, ran a 4'4", 440, only 29.5-inch vertical leap. So I was surprised with the lack of lower body explosiveness. But uh, I think that speed, the straight line speed, uh, is something for Anthony McFarland that you know is going to make teams take notice. Um, let's see, Joshua Kelly, a guy you know straight line, you know guy there for UCLA, uh, one cut and go type of runner. He ran sub four five with a four four nine forty. A couple of guys who who really you know looked pedestrian. Uh, Benny Lemay uh, there out of Charlotte. I was talking about him as a maybe a, a Edwards Alera light. Uh, 5'8", 221, ran a 4'7", 540. Yes, he put up the bench press, uh, you know, uh, 24 reps in the bench press, only a 28.5-inch vertical leap. You know, I think Benny LeMay is going to be hard-pressed to to get drafted. I think, you know, he's really going to have to work for things there. Um, Tony Jones Jr. out of Notre Dame, man, 5'11", 220 pounds, ran a 4'6", Remember I talked about uh, a guy like Elijah Holyfield, you know, needed to see some some speed out of a bigger back. Just didn't see it. Same goes for for Tony Jones. Just put up 225 just 13 times. One of those bigger backs. Expecting him to do a lot more there. The the lower body explosiveness, just 32 and a half inch vertical leap. I think he's going to struggle. Um, you know, he's going to have to really put on a show if he's going to want to get drafted. Um, you know, Jet Anderson. You know, Darius Anderson there at TCU. I was expecting him to run a lot faster, especially with his route running ability. Ran a four six one. I think he's more of the the shiftiness and the and lateral agility and lateral quickness. Salvan Ahmed, another guy, ran a four six two forty. He was one of those guys I was talking about being a weapon, potentially putting in the, in the slot or out on the outside and being one of those pass catchers. Um, you know, I thought Eno Benjamin, you know, showed off some pretty good athleticism, natural pass catcher as well. Five nine two oh seven. I think he's one of those guys who's kind of solidified himself in the top ten in terms of the running back class. Um, let's see, I've got anybody else who kind of stands out. Um, you know, 
Keyshawn Vaughn ran a four five one, kind of expecting him to be a little bit quicker than that. Um, you know, he's one of those guys who you know shows some pretty good athleticism and speed. Um, you know, Jamichael Hasty. A lot of people were talking about him possibly running a sub four five. He ran a four five five forty. Um, so the running back position, you know, I, I think Jonathan Taylor really, you know, emerged as the number one prospect, and I think that was really the the narrative there for the running back position. Transitioning to the offensive line, uh, and look, you know, if there was anybody that had a day, Tristan Wirfs may have had the best combine performance for an offensive lineman ever. 6'5", 320 pounds, the Iowa junior ran a 4.8540, and then set records with his 36.5-inch vertical leap and 121-inch broad jump, which I think equates to 10-foot-1-inch. Those were records for an offensive lineman at the combine and 36 and a half inch vertical leap. Only 16 of the 46 receivers at the combine jumped higher than Tristan Wirfs. So when you're talking about Tristan Wirfs, any question about him as a top 10 pick just went out the window. I'll tell you that. So, I mean, when you think of a guy like Brandon Scherf um, that came out of Iowa, he was the number five overall pick in the 2015 draft. Brandon Scherf, dominant, um, at times there at Iowa, I think Tristan Wirfs, you didn't see, you know, quite the domination despite the physical skills. Um, but when you look at things, you know, in the, in the comparison between these two guys, you know, from an athleticism standpoint, Tristan Wirfs, you know, really set the, set the bar. You know, he even bench pressed 225, 24 times versus 23 for Sheriff. And, and people are talking about, well, should Tristan Wirfs, does he have enough athleticism to even play tackle? Should he kick inside to guard? Um, he played left tackle in a pinch when Alaric Jackson went down to injury, moved back over and was a right tackle. I think he'll be a right tackle in the league. I think he's going to be one of the top two or three uh, tackles taken. I think you've got Jedrick Wills, um, and and Wirfs battling it out more than likely for the Giants. And then whoever doesn't get drafted, the Cardinals are sitting right there. DJ Humphreys you know, had his first season where he played all 16 games. Uh, so you're looking at Arizona. That could be a landing spot for Tristan Wirfs. Uh, but just a tremendous, uh, tremendous combine performance. Looking at some of these offensive linemen, I think a guy who really struggled, if you're going to take the opposite uh you know, angle to this. I think when you look at a guy like Trey Adams out of Washington, 6'8", 318, really battled injuries. And this is a guy who I think from a technical standpoint, as it, as an athlete, you know, or I'm sorry, as an offensive tackle, you know, this is someone who he battled those injuries, but a guy who can still get the job done. But when you run a five six forty, that's really going to take, you know, have teams kind of back off a little bit. I think that's what happened with Orlando Brown. Um, you know, teams, you know, he still got drafted in the second round, but I thought, you know, Trey Adams, he needed to, to have a much better performance at the combine, Just 24 and a half inch vertical leap as well. You know, so some of that explosiveness wasn't really there. You know, he really looked flat footed a lot of times in his game film in 2019, needed to have a really good combine performance and just didn't happen. Um, Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State. You know, I thought he really helped himself. 6'6", 311, 4, uh, 4, 9, 340, bench press 225, 30 times, um, which, you know, it's interesting. you got that upper body strength. And, and, and he's a guy who's really more of a, a finesse player. You didn't see it really, the, any of the upper body strength translate to any power. And really a lot of the power, what you're talking about, is, is going to be in the lower half. 
you know, that, that butt, the hamstrings, you know, the quads, and you didn't see that in his game. He didn't generate a whole lot of movement. It was mostly the finesse, and, and he's very, very much an easy mover. You saw that in the drills, but man, you wanted it, you know, you want to see more out on the game film. So he's somebody who I think definitely helped himself at the combine, showing off his athleticism. But you wonder, is he going to be a Colton Miller who's going to be a, a workout warrior in the in the uh, in, in the weight room, or is he going to be more like a, a Jake? Jake Fisher, who really never panned out. That's really the big question mark that you're going to have with Ezra Cleveland. So going down down my list, taking a look at some of the guys, I think Lloyd Cushenberry is still going to end up being the number one center. 34 and an eighth inch arms at 6'3", 312. Ran a 5'2", 40, but you're not going to be asking your center to, to run 40-yard dashes, you know, in, in, you know not, in, not in this century. Um... Let's see. We continue scrolling through some of these tackles. And uh, Austin Jackson out of USC ran a 507 40, 27 reps in the bench press, uh, has over 34 inch arms. You know, he was someone who I think, you know, solidifying himself in that that third tier of, of offensive linemen. I think you've got some of the elite ta- uh, tackles. And then that second tier, you know, you're, you're uh, uh, probably Makai Becton, possibly a Josh Jones, um, you know, right there. And then Right after that is going to be your Austin Jackson, you know, 6'5", 322 from SC, um, you know, really a good athlete, put on some good game film. Um, you know, he did get beat by A.J. Epinesa, but there's a lot of good game film there in the Holiday Bowl for him as well. Josh Jones, 6'5", 319, um, you know, he looked really light on his feet. I was expecting him to to test a lot better than he did. Ran a 5'2", just a 28.5-inch vertical leap. Um, you know, you compare that to a guy like Matt Pert. Uh, out of Connecticut, more raw rawness to his game, but 6'7", 318. I watched that Connecticut game against Houston. I thought he actually looked more dominant of the two, and he has 36 and 5'8 inch arms. I mean, just staggering length, 506, 40, 26 reps in the bench press, 30 inch vertical leap. He outperformed Josh Jones. So, uh, you know, a team who want you know might want to be a little bit more patient because there is some rawness to his game. You know, you could probably wait a round or so and be able to pick up Matt Pert, and you've got yourself a pretty darn good athlete and, and a guy who, you know, he gets so low. I think that, you know, you, that that flexibility to him, you know, you're really going to see that, um, you know, if you pop on any of that game film. He gets gets that butt down and gets really low, and, and you want to see that, you know, a guy who's not going to lose leverage. You know, one guy who was really interesting was Danny Pinter out of Ball State, 6'4", 306, ran a 4'9", 140, you know, I, I think he's going to be someone. People are talking about him possibly, you know, transitioning to guard. You know, I think he'll probably end up being a center and probably do, you know, probably be a pretty darn good center when it's all said and done. Andrew Thomas is is our fourth uh, tackle in the group. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about him as one of the elite tackles. Six five three fifteen, another guy with over thirty six inch arms. Uh, ran a five two two forty, and in you know. Checked all the boxes, but it was one of those things to where I think there were a few offensive linemen in this class who, uh, from an athleticism standpoint, just stood out a little bit more. Mackay Becton, you know, he's a guy who's going to stand out anywhere in a crowd. 6'7", 364, 7, seven foot wingspan, and he runs a 5'140". I mean, just staggering, you know, from an athleticism standpoint. Had to cut it short due to an injury, but uh, definitely someone who, um, who absolutely stood out. You know Matt Hennessy from Temple, the the center ran a five one eight forty, showed off some pretty good footwork. This is a guy who you know from a pass 
uh, protection standpoint, one of the better centers that you're going to find. Um, I think he's he's a, a guy who's going to battle to be the, the number two center taken in this draft class. Um, he's going to battle a guy by the name of Cesar Ruiz, who look, you know, ran a 508 40, 28 reps in the bench press, 33 inch vertical leap at 6'3, 307. Yeah, I think Cesar Ruiz is going to be your number two center. Matt, Matt, uh, Hennessy, I think, is going to be one of those guys that's going to be right on his heels. Um, let's see. Uh, Jedrick Wills. Gosh, we haven't talked about Jedrick Wills. Uh, got excited with some of the other guys that are out there, but that was the thing. Jedrick Wills is a guy who, who comes to comes to play, plays with some, some uh, um, you know, a, a nastiness to him, that nasty disposition, really a mean streak, 6'4", 312. Um, a guy who has really good lateral agility, kind of you know some basketball player type type lateral quickness, um, you know for a guy his size. Ran a 505, 40, 34 and a half inch vertical leap. You know not quite on par with with Tristan Wirth with some of his uh, athleticism, but the reason why I think uh, Jedrick Wills is my number one tackle is is the consistency. This was a guy with his pass sets. You know if he if he did get beat, it was because he was overextending. Um, you know, and that's, that's really what you saw more than anything else. He would just, he, he, he'd reach out and, and when you're lunging, when you're reaching, when you're overextending or you're oversetting, um, you know, you're going to, you know, get beat when you're overextending, you're going to be off balance and, you know, guys can slip your block, but he was mo- most of the time in his past sets, you know, they were about as pretty, you know, for these offensive linemen in this year's class, you know, because, He'd fire out of his stance quickly, you know, very flexible, you know, played with excellent leverage, uh, t- took really good angles with his kick slides. That's one of the things that Trey Adams, you know, a lot of his kick slides were horizontal. And, and a guy that's going to be coming off the edge, he's going to beat you to the edge every time. Not with Jedrick Wills, a guy who just took tremendous angles and a guy who was just going to beat you up. And, you know, if you're going to to get by him, he's going to make you earn it. One guy who didn't really get to run at the combine but put up 44 reps in the bench press, Natani Muti out of Fresno State, 6'3", 315. The biggest thing for him is going to be the health concerns. When he's actually healthy, the dude is going to beat you up. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's going to maul you. You know, that's going to be a guy in the middle. You know, he'll be a second-round pick if the medicals all check out. You know, I think – if you're looking for a developmental guy, how about Hakima Denije out of Kansas, 6'4", 302, ran a 51740, uh, showed off really good athleticism, 34-inch vertical leap, uh, much better mover than I thought. Um, you know, Charlie Heck out of out of North Carolina, 51640 at 6'8", 311. I thought he he looked decent in terms of his athleticism as well. Um, I think he's going to be somebody who's going to be a day three guy, probably a fifth or sixth round pick, but I think he's going to stick with an NFL roster. I remember Justin School filling in there for the 49ers. I'm looking at uh, at Charlie Heck as possibly being a, a guy that could fill in just like him um, in his rookie season even. Shane Lemieux showed off some decent athleticism, 5'1", 140. Damian Lewis, my big mauler there at the guard position, 6'2", 327, 5'2", 440. Uh, 27 reps in the bench press, a 30-inch vertical leap. I thought he definitely, you know, solidified himself as one of the top three guards in this draft. You know, didn't really do anything to dissuade that. Uh, John Runyon, look, you know, he, he's 6'4", 306. 
uh, on the shorter side in terms of the arms. I want to see him kick inside. I think that's really where he showcased and, and looked good at, uh, at the Senior Bowl. Ran a 5.08.40. Looked you know uh, above average with his athleticism. He's going to be someone to keep an eye out for. Going to be probably a day three guy, but a guy who I think can definitely lock on on, a, on an offense. So those are the offensive linemen that really stood out for me um, when I look at the at the draft class and kind of scroll through things. Jack Driscoll ran a 50240 there at Auburn. Um, you know, everyone talks about Prince Tega uh, Winogo. He didn't compete there, but Jack Jack Driscoll did. You know, I, and I thought that he was more of an average athlete. You know, but every time you watched him, you know, he was one of those guys who seemed to be in position. 50240 shows you, yeah, he's he's a little bit more athletic than I think people were giving him credit for. So we got through the first two days. We're gonna go ahead and transition immediately over to the uh the, to the defense. And so on day three, you had the defensive linemen and the linebackers, and they divided up the defensive tackles and the defensive ends. And I'm really glad that they did so that you can kind of get the comparison between the two groups. And, and if you're talking about the defensive tackle position, obviously Derek Brown was the guy that was going to stand out. He's 6'3", 326, ran a 5'1", 640, 28 ramps in the bench press. This is a guy who is going to beat you off the ball with, with first-step quickness, has power in his hands, um, drives guys back into the backfield, splits double teams, has the power to really just force his way uh, into the backfield, very disruptive, Top 10 pick, you know, if Carolina doesn't take him at seven, um, he's coming off the board to the Jaguars at number nine, uh, which is where I have him going. Uh, I, I thought he, you know, convinc- you know, convinces me that that's where he's going to be is, is that he's going to be the number one guy. Uh, you, you didn't get uh, Javon Kinlaw, the number two tackle, 6'5", 324, uh, didn't get to see him there at the combine workout. But one guy that you did was Neville Gallimore there out of Oklahoma, six two three zero four. Um, solidified himself as a top five tackle in this draft, four seven nine forty. Uh, I thought that was one of the things that was really impressive. This is a guy who has that quick get off coming off the line, and that was really on display here at the at the combine. The fact that he ran that four seven nine forty, that's third fastest at the defensive tackle position really turned some heads and uh, solidified himself as an early day two guy. Going to be someone that's going to come off the board early in that second round range. You know, I thought Ross Blacklock also showed off some of his twitchiness in the drills and, and ran a 4940 at 6'3", 290 pounds. Um, you know, and, and so I think he's another guy who can potentially be that, that, uh, that third offensive tackle, as is, man, you know, another guy who who showed off some pretty good athleticism with Justin Matabuike. You know, ran a four uh, eight three forty. We knew that he had the power in his hands and the and the ability to bench press offensive linemen. Thirty one reps in the bench press. Six three two ninety three. I think he solidified himself as well. Um, you know, I saw some people talking about him possibly being very late in, in, uh, pick there in the first round. I think he'll probably be a day two guy, but. You know, definitely showed off some some tremendous athleticism at the defensive tackle position. Uh, Jason Strobridge measured in at 6'4", 275, ran a 4'8", 940. Um, so for the defensive tackle position, 
you know, that that's that's pretty impressive. But when you're talking about uh, Strobridge, you compare him with a guy like J, uh, James Smith Williams running with the defensive ends at 6'4", 265, ran a 4'640". So that's kind of where, where Jason Strobridge is going to be. You know, he's one of those tweeners. Is he going to be a defensive end? Is he going to be a defensive tackle? Where does he really fit? Um, so that was somewhat of a concern for me. Watching Raquan Williams run, he ran a 50440. Uh, but when you watch him in some of the drills, uh, really struggled. You know, he's 6'4", 308, but he struggled with with being able to bend and the flexibility. I love the fact that they did the hoop drill. Guys, it really exposed, you know, guys that are able to, you know, that have the stiffness and can't really drop. You know, really a high-cut guy, couldn't really get down, and that's really going to hurt him. Uh, when you're talking about transitioning to the next level. And I thought Rob Windsor at 6'4", 290, showed off some good athleticism, 4'9", 40 there. Um, you know, I thought his athleticism there was really on par. Um, let's see, Jordan Elliott um, there from Mizzou, 6'4", 302, ran a 5'02", 40. He, he's that, that that third guy that's kind of in that, or I'm sorry, fourth guy that's in that consideration when you're talking about, uh, you know, Ross Blacklock, and you're talking about Neville Gallimore and Justin Matabuke. Um, I keep calling him Matabuke, Matabuke. Um, but, uh, you know, Jordan Elliott is another guy that you have to fit into that conversation. He's in that next tier. And uh, the 50240 at, at 6'4", 3'02", definitely, uh, you know, solidifies himself there. Um, you know, Carlos Davis, Khalil Davis, the, the twins there at, at Nebraska, Khalil Davis gets the nod, um, running the four, seven, five forty, which I believe is the fastest for a defensive tackle, uh, at the combine, uh, six, one, three Oh eight. I think he's still going to be somebody, you know, because of that, that, that 40 time, he may end up getting drafted. His brother, Carlos Davis ran a four, eight, two forty thing was, was Nebraska couldn't really stop anyone on the run. So you're going to have to go back to the game film and say, you know what, is there, are there some draftable qualities with these guys? And that's really what teams are going to have to ask themselves. You know, I, I think it might be questionable there. So that's something where teams, I think are really going to have to end up doing their homework. Uh, McTelvin Aguim out of out of Arkansas, a guy who can be disruptive on the inside. He ran a sub 540, uh, measured in at 6'3", 309. Um, Lecky Fotu, the big dude out of Utah, 6'5", 330 pounds, ran a 5'1", 540. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, a guy that big moving that fast. You know, that's something that you don't see every day. Um, I think Lecky Fotu is, is somebody who wants to prove that he does deserve to be in that uh, second day consideration. You know, and I'm trying to pull up, let's see, Starlo Tulele, just to give you an idea, six foot 311, ran a 53140. So just in terms of the measurables, you know, Lecky Fotu, you know, a bigger guy than, than Starlo Tulele, um, and also ended up running a faster 40 time. You know, a guy who who has some of that speed to power as a big dude. Um, you know, he's somebody to keep an eye out for, as is Devon Hamilton. I told you in, in, in my last podcast, I wanted to see what he could do. Really um, didn't get to showcase everything that he could do uh, there at Ohio State because he had all of these other guys on the defensive side of the football but Devon Hamilton was a was a solid player there at Ohio State. 6'4", 320 pounds, ran a 5'1", 440, 33 reps in the bench press. You know, he really showed that he's a tremendous athlete uh, and a guy who I think is, is stout at the point of attack, can get into the backfield, make some plays, uh, and can rush the quarterback a little bit as well. You know, 
I like Devon Hamilton as a top 10 uh, defensive tackle at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I thought he, he stood out in the drills, someone who really caught everyone's eye. He's going to be somebody who I think people are going to be talking about. Uh, one last guy that ran in, in those drills as well that I'm going to talk about at the defensive tackle position was Malcolm Roach, 6'2", 297, a guy who played and also played tackle for uh, for uh, the Texas Longhorns, depended if you were uh, you know, three-man, four-man front, where he was lining up. Um, and he's not the tallest guy, but he still ran a 4'8", 440. Um, so I think you know that athleticism is something that teams are going to be looking at. Only 31 and, and, and just under 32 inches with his arms, 31 and 7 eighths inch, uh, inches to be exact. Uh, and, and then 6'2", 297, you know, it's going to be, you know, can he... You know, the athleticism really translate, you know, with his lack of length. When we transition to the defensive ends, I'll tell you what, there are some slower times here at the defensive end position. Um, and you start worrying about some of the athleticism, some of these guys who are going to be some of the, you know, the, the you know, who, are, who are going to be our, our top pass rushers in this draft class. Chase Young didn't compete. You know, did measure in at 6'5", 264. We'll see him hopefully at Ohio State's uh, pro day. Um, but, man, you know, you just go through the list. Uh, I thought Alton Robinson did run pretty well. 6'3", 264, ran a 4'6", 940. Uh, 35 reps in, in the bench press. 35 and a half inch vertical leap. You know, Alton Robinson, um, you know, I thought his play, he coming into 2019, he was going to be one of the top six or seven defen- or, um, defensive ends. And uh, really struggled in 2019 with some of his production. I think you know he's starting to redeem himself, and maybe he'll start moving up some draft boards. Uh, Jabari Zuniga out of Florida, 6'3", 264, 46440, shows off some pretty good athleticism. You know this is a guy who's going to come off the edge. He ran much faster than uh, than Jonathan Greenard, who ran a 48740, who measured in at 6'3", 263. I think Zuniga, um, you know, from as long as he can stay healthy and get him keep himself out on the field, you know, he's someone who has the ability to kick inside and rush the passer as an interior pass rusher as well. Did that quite a bit at Florida, uh, kicking in as a three technique. Um, he could potentially garner some uh, some day two consideration. Uh, but a guy who, you know, AJ Epinesa. 6'5", 275 out of Iowa. Have him penciled in as my number two defensive end, but, man, he ran a 5.04.40 and looked pretty stiff in the drills. We knew that was going to happen. We knew that this was a guy who didn't have some of the the quickness and the first step quickness and the speed, but uh, he was going to showcase some of his power and, and the technique. And you just... You saw that, you know, he, he really was able to set up that, that soft edge coming off and, and able to, to set the, the line of scrimmage and, uh, you know, set the edge against the run. Uh, but man, you know, the 50440 and, you know, just 17 reps in the bench press, expecting him to be much more powerful than, uh, than he showed there at the combine. He's one of those guys to where I think his draft stock's going to fall. Um, he's really going to have to show out pretty well there at the at uh, at Iowa because the game film that was the biggest question. Yes, he had double digit sacks, and a lot of it was based on you know his technique and his power. Um, but he's not going to be able to overpower guys at the next level. Does he have some of that athleticism? And I, you know that's where I'm not really sure that he that it's going to translate that like everybody's hoping. 
I think one guy who definitely helped himself was Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte. At 6'3", 248, ran a 4.740. You're probably talking about the fourth round range for him. But a guy, look, you know, last season, 15 sacks, you know, over 40 tackles for loss in his career. A guy who knows how to get home and uh, showed it off, you know, pretty good athleticism overall. Uh, James Lynch, 6'4", 289, ran a 5.0140. You know this guy's going to be uh, a five technique. I still compare him a little bit, his game, to... Um, to J.J. Watt, he's not as athletic as as, as J.J., but uh, there are some similarities to his game. You know, the combine just proved he's not a tremendous athlete uh, compared to to J.J. Watt. Uh, but how many guys are? I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be a very you know a, a very good pro. Um, probably going to end up being a fourth rounder, but a guy who I think is going to be in the league a long time. Uh, Lorel Murchison. You know, a guy who nobody's really talking about, 6'2", 297, you know, really the same measurables as uh, as Malcolm Roach. Um, ran a 5.05.40, not overly spectacular in comparison to Roach, but what you really saw with him was the bend. Uh, you know, I thought in the hoop drill, he looked very natural, you know, natural bender. Um, you know, a guy who there for, for the Wolfpack, um, you know, showed off the the ability to get after the passer. Thought he was going to end up being you know kind of a five technique, but uh, the lack of height and the, and the length is something you know that really is going to leave you scratching your head. But you know, twelve tackles for loss, seven sacks, competing in the ACC. You know, he's someone who I think could end up garnering some some late day three consideration and could end up making a team. Let's see. Um, you know, Trevin Hill out of Miami. You know, ran a four eight nine forty at six three two forty eight. Um, that's just not going to get it done with his speed and athleticism. Um, you know, and I mentioned AJ Epinesa. I, I think one guy who I think, from an athleticism standpoint, could end up being the number two defensive end taken after Chase Young, and that's Marlon Davidson out of Auburn. You know, six three three zero three ran a 30, 33-inch uh, arms, bench press 225, 21 times. Uh, you know, Marlon Davidson, for me, you know, there were times where he looked unblockable coming off the edge, you know, able to bend, you know, but you didn't see consistency from him. And that's really the biggest question mark that, that I have with Marlon Davidson is, is this is going to be a guy, his motor ran hot and cold, but when it ran hot, you know, he really could, could uh, make some plays. He's going to be a guy to keep an eye on. You know, he'll probably end up being maybe a late first rounder, probably an early day two pick, but a guy who's going to, you put him out there on, on an NFL uh, NFL field, and I think he's going to flourish, and he's going to stick with the team for a long time. Uh, Bradley Anai, not a guy that you're going to expect to be a tremendous athlete. You know, 6'3", 257, and a 4'9", 340. So the athleticism is a little bit of a concern, but a guy who just gets the job done, gets home coming off the edge, uh, a guy who's going to win with his hands, more often than not, um, doesn't have tremendous length, but uh, you know, look, you know, he knows how to get after the quarterback. Twenty-nine and a half sacks in his career, including thirteen this past season. Um, you know, he'll probably end up being a day three guy, but look, he can get home, get to the quarterback. Um, if you can do that, then that's something that teams are going to really start taking notice of. Uh, let's see, do I have anybody else? In terms of the defensive ends, it looks like that's pretty much it in terms of the guys that stood out for me one way or another. Um, Kenny Willickis, I talked about him at Michigan State, you know, 6'3", 264, ran a 4'8", 740. I think he's going to struggle to get drafted. Um, 
you know, it, it's one of those things that probably end up being a, a late pick uh, when it's all said and done. Um, DJ Wonham out of South Carolina, you know, 6'5", 258, ran a 4'7", 340. I think he's solidifying himself as probably a midday three guy when it's all said and done as well. Um, so the linebackers also took the field, and we saw some pretty darn good athleticism out of some of these offensive or these these linebackers. Two of the top inside backers ended up actually you know pulling up you know with, with hamstring injuries. Kenneth Murray out of OU, 6'2", 241, absolutely looks the part. Thirty eight inch vertical leap, uh, four five two forty, uh, very explosive. Uh, and then Patrick Queen, six six foot two twenty nine. Um, ran a four five forty. Um, so both of these guys, you know, are in that first round consideration. Kenneth Murray flies all around the field for OU when he's allowed to just pin his ears back and, and go. Um, he can make plays all over the field. You know, he's a guy that uh, against LSU before he kind of tweaked his hamstring um, was chasing down Joe Burrow um, and, and was really close to to getting to him. Um, you know, and really he was chasing Joe Burrow outside the pocket when he did tweak his hamstring. Tweaks it again at the combine. That's a, a, a lingering injury that uh, hopefully he'll be able to get wrapped up. And then for, for Patrick Queen, when you put on the game film, you know, any game film for LSU and, and you're trying to watch somebody else, like I wanted to watch uh, Jacob Phillips, but Patrick Queen just kept flashing. You kept seeing him making plays all over the field. Um, you know, I think the instincts are absolutely there, sideline to sideline ability. He's going to be a guy who I think, you know, he's, he's forcing himself into that first round discussion. Um, you know, Kalevon Chason did not run the 40, didn't really uh, compete in the drills. 6'3", 254. I think for me, I look at him and uh, I think he can end up being Tampa Bay's pick there at number 14 overall, especially with the, the way that the edge rushers, that you didn't see a lot of the explosiveness there. I think Kalevon Chason, you know, his draft stock is going to continue to rise because the his speed coming off the edge there aren't a lot of guys that are able to do that in this year's draft. Uh, one guy who I think definitely helped himself and could potentially be a first rounder is, is Zach Bond, 6'2", 238, uh, ran a 4.6540, put up 20, uh, 24 reps in the bench press as well. 32 and a half inch vertical leap wasn't spectacular, but you know, definitely a tremendous athlete. Um, as a as an edge rusher. Uh, let's see who else. The, the two Alabama guys, Anthony Jennings, Terrell Lewis, didn't work out. Um, you know, at least in terms of the forty, uh, Terrell Lewis did show off a, a thirty-seven inch vertical leap uh, at six-five, two hundred sixty-two pounds. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, but look, I've been kind of burying the lead a little bit on you. Um, Isaiah Simmons there for Clemson, 6'4", 238. I knew if I started talking about him, I wouldn't stop. Uh, 4'3", 40, 39-inch vertical leap. You know, tremendous, tremendous athlete. Guy who, you know, just looks so fluid in the drills. And, uh, you know, a guy who, you know, he looks like a, a safety in a linebacker's body. I mean, he was a converted safety as it was. But, you know, just a guy who ends up making plays all over the field. Didn't see uh, Daryl Taylor, Josh Uche, or Curtis Weaver run 40 times. So those are going to be guys that we're going to have to wait for their pro day to really see what they, where they're at and how they kind of stack up with some of the guys that are around him. Um, let's see, Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech, inside backer, six foot two forty, ran a four five four forty. Sean Bradley of Temple, another inside backer, six one two thirty five, four five one forty. Two guys 
who can definitely cover a lot of ground. I knew Sean Bradley was going to show off the athleticism. I think Jordan Brooks solidifies himself as a day two guy. Sean Bradley probably going to get drafted higher than people are expecting there in day three. Um, I wanted to see Akeem Davis Gaither run uh, 6'1, 224. Um, you know, I, I'm moving him into my top five at the outside linebacker position because he fits today's NFL. I just want to see just how fast. I'm curious to see how fast he is. Uh, you know, Troy Die out of out of Oregon, 6'3", 231. Uh, another guy who didn't run the forty. Really wanted to kind of see you know where he how he stacks up. Freaking Willie Gay out of out of uh, out of Mississippi State. Know that he has the off off field issues. He's going to have to answer to that. That's probably going to move his stock down somewhere into the day three range. But look, six one. 243 pounds, ran a 44640, 39.5 inch vertical leap. You know, showed off uh, really good athleticism in the drills. He's somebody for me that, you know, if he can, you know, really answer a lot of those questions, you know, he could potentially end up being that you know, that conversation um, as, as a potential uh, day two pick. But I think he'll fall to day three. And if he does that, um, he could potentially be a steal. Uh, let's see. Uh, Logan Wilson, you know, this is a guy, I think, you know, very natural dropping into coverage, uh, six, two, two forty one ran a four, six, three forty as well. A guy who just makes plays all over the field, over 400 tackles in his career. And I mean, if I, I read off his, his stat, his stat line, um, you know, really he's, he's an athlete. He's a guy who's going to make plays, you know, just because he plays, played his football at Wyoming doesn't mean he's not a day two guy, uh, 409 tackles, excuse me, 34 and a, uh, and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, 10 interceptions, including four this past season, 14 pass breakups, five forced fumbles. Guy makes plays all over the field. Um, the athleticism is absolutely there. I think Logan Wilson um, is going to be one of those guys that uh, is going to be taken on day two. Um, Let's see. Uh, Davion Taylor out of Colorado ran that four four nine forty time. Really is is kind of a glorified, um, you know, safety. Um, but the speed is he's gonna find a home there at the next level. Uh, Justin Sternad, I was glad to see him running a, a forty time there for Wake Forest after sitting out, um, you know, some time. Four seven four forty, but I like the instincts there. Uh, Dante Olson out of Montana. I, I was mentioning that I really wanted to see what he could run if he was a you know showed off some athleticism. Then people could be talking about him as a day three guy. But man, six two two thirty seven ran a four eight eight forty. I don't know if there's going to be any coming back from that. He's really going to have to show out well in his in his pro day, and I just don't know if he's going to have enough there. Let's see. Uh, Carter Coughlin out of uh, Minnesota, 6'3", 236, ran a 4'5", 740, but I, I think there's some stiffness in his hips. I think he's more of a straight line guy. Uh, Malik Harrison definitely showed off uh, his ability uh, dropping into coverage, 6'3", 234, ran a 4'6", 640. I look at Malik Harrison, and, and I see a, a day two pick, probably a third rounder um, at, at inside linebacker for Ohio State. And uh, a guy who I think could end up being a starter early on. So if we move on to to the final day of of, of the combine, and we're talking about the corners, um, you know Jeff Okuda uh, obviously is the number one cornerback. Ran a four four eight forty forty one inch vertical leap, thirty two and, and five eighths inch arms, so some really long arms as well at the cornerback position. 
he showcased, you know, and showed out and showed why he's the number one corner. But CJ Henderson solidified himself as the number two corner, in my opinion. 6'1, 204, 439, 40, 37 and a half inch vertical leap, bench press two, uh, 225, 20 times, which is among the top in, in, in the, the draft class for the, the corners. So that really, you know, makes you take notice. And he looks so fluid in the drills and the hips, um, very fluid, turning and running. I think there's no question that C.J. Henderson is going to be the number two corner coming off the board. Uh, Trevin Diggs measured in a 6'1", 205, but he didn't work out um, You know, in terms of any of the, um, any of the measurables. So we're going to have to wait to see some of those things at the – at his pro day, uh, let's see, Jeff Gladney and, and Christian Fulton, two guys are going to be competing to be in that next wave of, of corners. Uh, Chris, you know, Christian Fulton, six foot 197, Gladney, 5'10", 191. Uh, both showed off some pretty good speed. Uh, Fulton just edging him out, 4'46 to 4'48". Um, but Gladney with the 37 and a half inch vertical leap had two inches there on Fulton, who had a 35 and a half inch vertical leap. Um you know, I think those guys are, are really settling in in that next wave of, of corners. Um, you know, you look at uh, a guy like A.J. Green out of Oklahoma State, 6'1", 202, looked pretty good in the Senior Bowl, then runs a 4'6", 240. Um, so that's concerning, to, to say the least. And then a guy like A.J. Terrell at 6'1", 195 pounds. You know, you, you look at him and, and similar measurables to, to A.J. Green, um, though – has a little bit longer arms. Ran a 4-4-240, 34.5-inch vertical leap. You know, A.J. Terrell um, got beat up a little bit in the national title game, um, You know, going up against uh, Justin Jefferson and, and Jamar Chase. But uh, a guy who I think, you know, using some of his his length and uh, that, that speed, you know, that, that you know, the, the speed for a guy 6'1", you know, that means that, He's going to be a, a day two pick. You know, I think you can write that down. Uh, Troy Pride ran a four four forty. We knew that he was going to be fast. Um, I honestly expected him to break four four. Um, so we'll see what he does there at uh, Notre Dame's pro day. Uh, the the fastest guy was Javelin Gidry. Ran a four two nine forty. The track guy five nine one ninety one. You know, but he's somebody who I think if he's going to get drafted, it's going to be late. Um, Isang Bassi looked much more fluid than I think people were expecting him to be. 5'9", 191, 4'4", 40, 39.5-inch uh, vertical leap. This is a guy who has tremendous ball skills. He's not afraid to get physical, really a good tackler on the outside. Um, you know, I, I worry a little bit about some of the stiffness in his hips, um, but I, I think he is more fluid than people are giving him credit for at the same time. Um, so he's someone to keep an eye out for. Darnay Holmes out of UCLA, you know, another guy who can compete to potentially be a day two pick. Ran a four four eight forty at five ten one ninety five, potentially a nickel back there. Um, you know, Cameron Dantzler, six two, just a buck eighty seven. Uh, ran a four six four forty. You know, his arms actually only measured in at thirty and five eighths inches. Um, so the measurables concerning. You know, you expect him to run a little bit faster. Um, you know, at six foot two, you know, you're going to worry about some of that long speed dealing with some of the bigger receivers that could potentially impact some of his draft, you know, his draft stock. 
Uh, Noah Igbenogany out of Auburn, 5'10", 198, ran a 4'4", 8'40", 37-inch vertical leap. A guy who, look, you know, you know him for his explosiveness in the return game, but uh, that also can translate to the cornerback position as well, uh, especially with him driving on the football and making some plays. Uh, the recovery speed as well. Uh, I think Igbenogany is going to be in that uh, you know, day two consideration when it's all said and done. And then you know, Kendall Vildor. I'll give you a you know a small school guy out of Georgia Southern, 5'10", 191, Group of five guy there in the Sun Belt. Ran a four 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 forty. 35 and a half inch vertical leap. The explosiveness, absolutely there. Also bench press 225, 22 times. Really a tremendous athlete, but has really good ball skills as well. And I think he's going to be a day three guy who's going to end up being a pretty solid nickel at the next level. So finally, we get to our safeties. When it's all said and done, the safeties take over the field at the very end. And I think the guy that you know really everybody drew their eyes to because Grant Delpit um, you know, wasn't working out. Ashton Davis out of Cal, uh, battling some injuries, 6'1", 202 out of Cal. He wasn't getting to compete. So really the eyes went to uh, Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan. Everyone wanted to see what type of athlete he was. 6'1", two, uh, 217, did not disappoint. 4'4", 40, 42-inch vertical leap. This is a guy who made plays all over the field, and he really looked like a man among boys. You wanted to see, though, how he was going to translate compared to some of these other guys. You know, 237 tackles in his career, 10 interceptions, 36 pass breakups. You know, he definitely showed, you know, that he's one of the the better athletes in this draft class. Xavier McKinney out of Alabama ran a 4.6340 at six foot two oh one. You worry a little bit about some of his athleticism. You know, is there some stiffness to him? Uh, on the flip side, you have Legarius Sneed out of Louisiana Tech, six foot one ninety two, ran a four three seven forty, forty one inch vertical leap, has experience at both corner and safety. Um, he's someone who's going to be interesting. Uh, Antonio Winfield absolutely helped himself. 5'9", 203. People talked about his long speed. Ran a 4'4", 540. Uh, takes tremendous angles to the football. A guy who has tremendous ball skills. Makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Antoine Winfield, day two corner or safety. I have him as my number three safety behind uh, McKinney and Delpit right now. Um, Tanner Muse. Uh, ran a 4-4-140 at 6-2-227, but he's one of those guys, looks more like a linebacker than than a safety, very stiff in the hips. Uh, I thought Jeremy Chin absolutely helped himself out of Southern Illinois. 6-3-221, ran a 4-4-540, 20 reps in the, uh, at 225 in the bench press, 41-inch vertical leap, another tremendous athlete there. Um, so those were the guys that really stood out um, when you're looking at this draft class. Um, I thought Terrell Burgess ran a 4-4-6-40 at 5'11", uh, 202. Um, he's somebody who I think is going to garner some of that consideration in, in that round four, round five range. Um, but you know, there weren't a ton of tremendous athletes. I thought J, you know, J.R. Reed, 4-5-4. Uh, Jordan Fuller ran a 4-6-7. That's going to be concerning, especially for guys 6'2", 203, trying to separate himself. Um, so... But I, I definitely think Antoine Winfield and, and Kyle Duggar, if you're talking about who really helped themselves, those were two guys that absolutely did that. So that's my my review of, of the combine and really where how how guys show you know how things would shake out there. So we're gonna kind of power through uh, the first half of my my first round in the mock draft. 
know, obviously you look at number one overall, you know, Joe Burrow's going to Cincinnati. Zach Taylor gets his guy. Um, you know, he swept all the awards in the postseason. Heisman Trophy winner, uh, college football playoff uh, champions as well. Um, ends up number one overall pick. You know, I expect him to be the first guy to take the stage there in the Bellagio Fountains uh, on draft day. Uh, the Washington Redskins look, you know, I think Ron Rivera, you know, you have to do your due diligence. You know, Dwayne Haskins, who is he? You know, talk to Joe Burrow, talk to Tua. But, you know, adding Chase Young to the defensive line that has, uh, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, you know, Matt Ioannidis actually was the, the team's leading sack artist with eight and a half. Uh, you know, Ryan Kerrigan starting to get up there a little bit, you know, had started 120 games uh, in a row before a concussion kept him out of the lineup. Um, ultimately, calf injury sent him on to the IR in January. Um, this is a guy that, you know, look, he's, he's 31 years old. Um, you know, he, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. You know, I think he returns in 2020 and sweat building upon what he did. But Chase Young is one of those guys who can be a game wrecker. I think he'll be number two. You look at the Lions at number three, I think Jeffrey Okuda makes a ton of sense. Um, absolutely. They they had just seven interceptions, um, you know, which is, is definitely concerning. Um, and I think you know when you look at a guy like Darius Slay, they're talking about potentially trading him. That's obviously going to be a concern. Um, I think Amani Aruwarie is not ready to be a starter. Justin Coleman is in the slot. You add Jeffrey Okuda to to the mix there on the outside. That's going to allow them to focus on some other positions uh, later on in the draft. Mention the Giants, Dave Gettleman. Where are they going to go there with that pick? I've got Jedrick Wills uh, out of Alabama going there. You, know, you selected uh, Saquon Barkley. Then you selected da- uh, Daniel Jones. you got to be able to protect your investments. Mike Remmers didn't pan out at the right tackle position. He's gone. As long as they're not going with an offensive tackle, I think this is where uh, Jedrick Wills is going to go. Here's the name to really think about, though. Isaiah Simmons. And I'll tell you why. Alec Ogletree, David Mayo, all the linebackers there on the inside, they're all free agents. They're going to need somebody who's going to be able to cover tight ends. You know, you've got Zach Ertz. You're going to have you know Mark Andrews. You're going to have to face George Kittle, uh, Travis Kelsey, I believe. So many tight ends. Who's going to cover them? Is Alec Ogletree going to cover them? No way. Isaiah Simmons would be a perfect fit there for the Giants. So I, I think if they don't address the offensive tackle with number four, you know, in free agency, they have to go tackle. But if they do get the right tackle. This pick's going to end up being Isaiah Simmons. Miami, the Dolphins, you know, the tank for Tua, they, they ultimately get their, their guy, you know, a guy who threw a touchdown pass every 7.8 pass, uh, 7.86 pass attempts, uh, over 20 touchdown passes in each of the last two seasons before throwing his first interception. A guy who is known for his ball placement, known for uh, throwing his receivers open. Um, you know, Tua, that hip is checking out. And ready to make a full recovery. Miami, you may need to trade up with with De- uh, Detroit to make sure that you get your guy. But Tua, in my opinion, should be going to Miami. Um, you know, I talked about the possibility for the Chargers to take Jordan Love, saying that this could be you know Daniel Jones 2.0, and having Daniel Jones taken ahead of uh, Dwayne Haskins this year, having Jordan Love taken ahead of Justin Herbert. Not ready to jump on that bandwagon yet, but when. The, ultimately, when you had um, Philip Rivers leave, 
I mean, you know, that, that really shook things up. You have Tyrod Taylor and he's not going to be the answer long-term unless they get a, a free agent quarterback. This has to be Herbert, but you know, with Russell Okun getting traded for Trey Turner, that also opens up the door for the a potential offensive tackle. So you're looking there. That could be Tristan Wirfs. That could be Mekhi Becton, uh, even Jedrick Wills, depending on what happens at number four. Um, free agency is really going to dictate what this pick is going to ultimately look like. At number seven, I've got I, Isaiah Simmons penciled in here right now. 6'4", 238, linebacker out of Clemson. I think we have one of three picks really with this and kind of the way that I look at it, Cam Newton's going to be staying here at least for one more year. Um, Panthers look, they finished second in the league with in sacks, but 29 of those sacks were registered by four guys, uh, Gerald McCoy, Mario Addison, Bruce Irvin at defensive end and Vernon Butler at defensive tackle. All of those guys are free agents. You could go with Derek Brown here and that makes a lot of sense. Carolina, 14 interceptions, but, uh, you know, Ross Cockrell, James Bradbury, and then safety Trey Boston, all free agents. Jeffrey Okuda makes sense. But when you're try- talking about re- having to replace a guy like Luke Keekley, a-, a seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, AP Defensive Player of the Year in 2013, averaged 137 tackles per game while also racking up 18 interceptions, 12 and a half sacks, and seven forced fumbles in those eight seasons with the Panthers. How do you replace that? You find a guy who can make plays all over the field, who can fill up the stat sheet, and that's exactly what Isaiah Simmons does. Matt Rule can build the defense around a linebacker like Isaiah Simmons. Arizona sitting at number eight, and as I mentioned, you know, they, they, they did invest in, in three receivers in last year's draft with Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson. But, you know, with Larry Fitzgerald coming back for one more year, do they still decide that they're going to look for a receiver, uh, number one wideout in this year's draft? With the depth in this draft class, man, you, know, you can use this number eight pick to get, a def- get an offensive lineman, be able to solidify the front, and, and still get a really solid receiver sitting there in, in round number two. Tristan Wirfs, to me, you know, is is the number one or number two offensive tackle in this year's draft. Can play guard and tackle, and, and to me, you know, when you're looking at this, you've got Kyler Murray, um, you know, a guy who was the AP Rookie of the Year, threw over 3,700 yards. A guy in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, you really have to make sure that you're taking care of this guy. And when you're looking at the offensive line, um, you know, this offensive line just could not keep quarterbacks healthy. Um, you know. Gave up 50 or more sacks in, in each of the last three seasons. That's not good enough. DJ Humphreys finally played an entire season. He'll be the left tackle. You need a right tackle. Tristan Wirfs has to be that guy. Um, unless they find something in, in free agency or through a trade, it's most likely going to be a trade because I think there aren't really any long-term options outside of Jack Conklin at the right tackle position. Jacksonville Jaguars. I had Isaiah Simmons potentially go in here, but really Derek Brown makes a lot of sense. You know, when you're talking about uh, Marcel Darius possibly being a cap casualty, I think you're looking at uh, you know Taven Bryan who hasn't really gotten anything going. Avery Johnson, or I'm sorry, Avery Jones, the only defensive tackles currently on the roster. You got to improve the 28th ranked defense, and you got to really build it from within. Um, some people are talking about potentially going with an offensive lineman here. 
you know, I, I think you can get someone on day two, potentially an Austin Jackson, um, potentially Lucas Niang. There's some guys that are going to be out there on day two that uh, you can end up targeting. I think you have to use this pick, get Derek Brown, solidify the interior of that line, and then look offensive line after that. Number 10, Cleveland Browns. If you say off anything other than an offensive lineman here, I think you're crazy because Baker Mayfield seemed to be running for his life. I think it was one of those things, too. When you watch Baker Mayfield, he was starting to flee and, and run away from the pocket um, even when it wasn't there. He had he was um, traumatized, I guess you could say. He was just really it was ingrained in him to flee the pocket, to get out of there whenever possible, even when he didn't need to. And that's that's alarming. You know, you had, you know, Greg Robinson, who with his legal troubles, I think his career is over. Uh, Chris Hubbard at right tackle really struggled mightily as well. They've got to do an upgrade there um, along the offensive line, especially at tackle. And uh, Makai Becton, Mount Becton. Uh, you know, we talk about Mount McKinney with, with Bryant McKinney. Um, I'm calling Makai Becton Mount Becton. Uh, Dame Brugler, um, you know, a, a, a draft expert and a draft insider. I love the comparison that he had uh, with Brugler to Bryant McKinney because of the size and the, and the athleticism. Look, McKinney, despite being as big as he was, uh, ran a a five, one, three 40. Well, Makai Becton at six, seven, 364 pounds. As I mentioned earlier, five, one, zero 40. And and Baker Mayfield is used to having a big time, uh, a big, huge mammoth, offensive tackle with Orlando Brown Jr. playing there for uh, Oklahoma. And look, when you're talking about you know quarterbacks getting outside the pocket, Mekhi Becton played with Lamar Jackson while at Louisville. So he, he's used to having quarterbacks getting outside the pocket. That was a little bit of the, the, the game there um, with, with Scott Satterfield as well. Um, so Mekhi Becton, ton of sense there for Cleveland sitting there at, at number 10. Number 11, New York Jets. Question is going to be, you know, do they get Jack Conklin here? If they do, then you're not talking about uh, Andrew Thomas. I, I think what what the Jets are going to do, they could go C.J. Henderson to team with with Tremaine Johnson. They could go with a corner like like Logan Ryan, let's say, for the Patriots, and uh, really solidify that need. You need to get a number one wideout. You know, Robbie Anderson is is going to be a free agent. I don't know that he's going to be back, but even if he is, you still need a number one guy for Sam Darnold. Jerry Judy should be that guy. I think you know with the route running ability. You know, I think Jerry Judy makes a ton of sense there for Sam Darnold. It could also be Ceedee Lamb. You're really kind of interchangeable with these two picks, but I think Jerry Judy to the Jets and then the Raiders at number 12. I go with C.D. Lamb. They need to finally find a replacement for for Amari Cooper. Ultimately got traded to to the Cowboys after six games in 2018. Uh, C.D. Lamb going there, being the number one target for Derek Carr or whoever is going to be uh, the quarterback at the black hole there in Vegas. Uh, But C.D. Lamb makes a lot of sense to be that number one target. Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, there's talk that this could possibly a landing, you know, a landing spot for, um, you know, for Jameis Winston, potentially for for Philip Rivers. Um, I think this could end up being the the spot for uh, Jordan Love when it's all said and done. You know, I think it could be Philip Rivers is kind of the stopgap. You know, play there for a couple of more years to end his career, and then Jordan Love really stepping in, um, get, allowing Frank Reich to really have a, a young quarterback that he can develop. Uh, I, I think Jordan Love is rising up draft boards, and I think this would be a good pick for him. Uh, Tampa Bay, 
you know, you have Jameis, obviously the 5,000 yard mark, um, you know, the only quarterback in, in the league to do that. Also, uh, you know, 33 touchdowns, but had 30 interceptions, had the LASIK surgery. We'll see how that does to help him out. Um, so there's a chalk about a possible quarterback there, but I think ultimately you have to look at, um, at, at improving the pass rush. I think Javon Kinlaw could potentially be the pick here. You have Indomitian Sue, Bo Allen, uh, Raheem uh, Nunez, uh, Rochas, all free agents. That really leaves Vita Vea and Winston Golson as the only defensive lineman with any real experience. Um, I'm looking at this, and uh, you know, Javon Kinlaw could be the pick. I'm going to say uh, Chase on just because you know when you're talking about explosive pass rushers, there aren't a ton of them, as I mentioned earlier. Chase on, I think, may end up getting the nod. Denver Broncos, they need a, a an explosive receiver for Drew Locke. Cortland Sutton established himself as, as the top wideout, but he's not going to be someone who's really going to stretch defenses. You get that vertical speed, that vertical route, um, vertical runner for, for Drew Locke. He really excelled when he had a healthy Emmanuel Hall on the outside there at Mizzou. He was tossing dimes to that streaking receiver down the sideline. You're gonna. I think if if they take Henry Ruggs here, I think you're gonna see a lot of that for Denver. That's really gonna open up things for Sutton on the opposite side. And then with the Falcons, you know Thomas Dimitrov, you know Dan Quinn, you know the type of player that the model that they really look for in in a defensive lineman, the speed and everything else. And, and I'm looking at at one of two guys. I'm looking at either Chase on if he's there, or if not, then it's gonna be Javon Kinlaw. And the reason why I end up saying this is you look at the defensive tackle position, you got Grady Jarrett, um, but with Jack Crawford, Tyler Davison, Michael Bennett all set to become free agents, it's just Jarrett and Deidre Sanat. Um, you know, you get a guy like Javon Kinlaw in there, the explosiveness, you know, as an interior pass rusher, I think would be nice in terms of a compliment for a guy like Tack McKinley hasn't really lived up to that first round billing. Um, you know, I think if, if Chason's there, he's going to be the guy. If he's off the board, then obviously you're going to be looking at, at Kinlaw. Um, you know, Vic Beasley, Adrian Claiborne, you know, they combined for, for 12 of the team's 28 sacks. They're hitting the free agency. Beasley may be, end up being a casualty there. You know, and, and Atlanta, you know, Atlanta, they've, they've struggled a little bit with, you know, uh, a couple of the pass rushers that they've, they've brought in, you know, Tack McKinley, the, the latest who just hasn't lived up to the billing just yet. Um, so chase on, do they go there? Do they end up going, um, Kinlaw? I think at the end of the day, if chase on's there, he's the guy, but, uh, for the purposes of this mock draft, I'm going with, uh, Javon Kinlaw there. So we've gotten through the combine. We've gotten through the first half of my first round. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a look at the rest of my first round in next week's podcast. We'll also start dabbling a little bit into round number two and what that might look like. We're also going to start seeing how some of the positions are taking shape for the draft. We've got a little bit of time before we actually hit the draft. Again, April 23rd is when the draft is going to begin. So we still have a lot of time. We have the entire month of March. We have all the guys' pro days uh, to really see how things take shape and obviously free agency. You know, when we hit free agency, that's really where a lot of the podcasts are going to run. I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I have another podcast out to you in the next few days, uh, really covering once I get the rest of my mock draft uh, out there and, and post it on the website, we'll go ahead and do another podcast. And then, like I said, as we get going, as I do every year, we're going to get fast and furious with these podcasts, releasing you know multiple each week. 
you know, really wanting to make sure that you're ready for this draft. And as things change, we want to make sure that we're getting things up to date and uh, really bringing the best coverage that I can for you. You know, I've watched over 200 games beginning to end uh, during the season. And I feel like, you know, I know these players, you know, a lot of uh, the analysis that that I've done is kind of off the cuff, off off the top of my head with a lot of my my research that I've done. I've got a lot of my notes and, and really that's what I'm going to kind of go back to is really taking a look at the notes when I'm putting together my mock draft for the website. Um, so I hope you tune in. Hope you check out some of the content. I'll let you know when the, the website is updated with my latest mock draft. Hopefully you, you enjoyed the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the content. We'll do this all again next week. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your week next week. We'll do this all again in just a few days. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast, the post-combine edition. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone, and until next time, I am out of here.